you are listening to the Wild Soul Podcast, a podcast for the wild ones. Join me, your host, Queen Namaste, as we embark on a journey to find our true north and our own unique path. From wild, inspired conversations to searching for life's hidden gems and meanings with a little dash of crazy in between. Because really, who doesn't want to dance to the beat of their own drum? Hello, Wild Souls. Welcome to the Wild Soul Podcast with your host, Queen Namaste. I am a yoga instructor, an intuitive, and a podcaster. This is the podcast where we talk about all things wild. I interview people from around the planet doing amazing things, shifting and lifting the consciousness. And yeah, if it's your first time, thank you so much for tuning in. If it's not, thank you for coming back. I love you. And today is, uh, whatever day it is, the 26th of February, full-blown in Mercury retrograde. OMG, if you think this is not real, is, (laughs) yo, technology has not been my friend the past couple days, nor has communication Oh, whatever. I'm not even going to get into it. But my mic's not working. A lot of things aren't working. So to have this podcast come up on time is actually amazing. Uh, So I apologize in advance for the audio quality. But hey, if you're a listener of this podcast, you probably don't come here for the audio quality. You come here for the stuff that we share and the people that are on it. So Anyways, enough about that. That was my housekeeping. Um, It is the last week of February here, and to continue on with the theme of February, um, we got some more men in the house, and this week we have Jacob Plasterfield, and he is such a cool dude. I'm really excited for you to um, hear him talk. And in the episode, I share how we met and all that jazz, but basically I wanted to give us a little bio about his background because we um, don't really get into that this episode. I usually ask guests like, oh, you know, what's your background? What's your story? But we just get right into it. He's a Libra. I am a Gemini and we just talk and go ramble. And I'm sure he's got Pisces also in his chart somewhere. I'm Pisces moon and we are just like mystical and (laughs) are not really grounded. So um, yeah, he is a sound healer. That is what he does. And I know absolutely nothing about sound. And I've been learning so many wicked cool things about sound healing and what he does. It's just like, it's next level. Sound is so cool. I never thought I'd be into it like I am. So hopefully you guys like this episode as well. Born in Saskatchewan, Jacob has traveled through most Western Canada playing music and studying healing modalities. After completing the sound healing and music therapy course at the Globe Institute of San Francisco, Jacob is very excited to bring together all of his passions and share his knowledge and experience with the Okanagan and beyond. Jacob hopes to unify the ways in which we understand the worlds around us and within us and want to find accessible platforms to teach and practice sound healing. Jacob plays the drums, he plays piano, bass, guitar, the ukulele, saxophone, trombone, and his new addition to his musical family, the handpan. And that is actually how we met. He was playing the handpan on a beach. So yeah, this guy's really cool, you guys. I'm so excited. Let's just get into talking with Jacob, the sound guy. Jacob or tacos? <laughs> what? what the fuck is your last name even? Pasterfield. 
Pasterfield. P-A-S-T-E-R-F-I-E-L-D. Jacob Pasterfield. That's me. We're, we're, live. we're, we're live. We're live. Oh, shit. <laughs> Thank you for coming on to the Wild Soul Podcast. You're welcome. Delighted to yes. be here. Yes, masculine energy. Yes, I have that. <laughs> I come me too. A- I come equipped. <laughs> Amazing. I'm really excited for this conversation. I don't know where it's going to go. We're just gonna... <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I, know, I don't know where it's going. I have no idea. Don't the know. Slightest. That's half the fun. Exactly. What is life without a little mystery? boring pretty boring pretty boring i don't deal with boring i think that's the only thing i'm intolerant towards Mm. is boredom i used to be a lot more bored when i was a child i'd be like i'm bored i rarely find myself bored these days anymore wow i uh i remember there was a time in my life i was um touring with a band we were in montreal uh we were hired to play a street festival um in montreal it was super fucking fun uh but the band fell apart during that whole time and I have a lot of really hard stories from that period of my life but I was writing a lot and in that time I had my writing had this really aggressively romantic vibe to all of it um and one of the things I wrote that still stuck with me is to allow oneself to become bored is to create a mockery of the beauty of existence and that's something I've always kind of like allowed to kind of resonate and and I kept it with me because if Say you're ever again. to allow oneself to become bored is to create a mockery of the beauty of existence. Because I feel like that's what boredom is, is it's mm-hmm. it's a negligence to the exponential beauty that exists in every moment oh a thousand percent yeah like if you're if you are bored you're not paying attention you're not like breathe like (laughs) like oxygen only exists here for like a million miles in every direction otherwise it sucks so hard off of this planet it'll pull the eyeballs out of your sockets like (laughs) just take a moment and go i've got lungs i've got these beautiful filters that can take this oxygen from all around me and turn it into energy and it can nutrify every cell of my body and you know wow getting deep right off the bat i yeah. love you know it me. you know me I know, dude. and i and that's another thing too is um uh with my my sound healing and music therapy background i've been asked to speak on some boards for artists who struggle with you know like the crushing weight of comparison and trying to create art that's relevant and important and it's really difficult for a lot of artists because you know we just create this pressure and and these expectations that we were speaking about earlier how expectations are really these prisons of our own design that we have the keys for but we're just kind of blind to the fact that we have that power and i think people who take creation as a a vehicle for their career often get buried underneath this this weight of comparison and, and expectation and and one of the things I, I speak about is like, give yourself a break. Like existence is hard. Like the day-to-day life is difficult here in, in this, this existence. It's, it's difficult. It comes with strife. It comes with trials. And we put so much pressure on ourselves to achieve and to create and to produce. And, 
And like, but in all actuality, if all you do is you wake up and you suck air in and out of your body, you're literally participating with existence. And that in and of itself is a victory. That's enough to necessitate waking up. Mm. Even if all you're doing is moving oxygen and you're breathing and that breath comes into you and... And um, I, I, I don't know exactly the, the specific amount, but I remember listening to a David Suzuki speech where 50% of the oxygen you breathe stays in your lungs. So you're this container for existence itself. And a piece of that, a piece of every breath you ever take stays with you. And I just felt that that was so beautiful because even beautiful. if all you're doing is breathing, is it's, it's you're participating with existence and I love that. a facet of reality no matter what no matter what decisions you make past that point you've done enough just by existing just by waking up and so from there you can move forward and do many amazing and beautiful things but you know we got to give ourselves more credit just take a breath enjoy the beauty around you yeah and wow. then you don't have to be bored <laughs> this podcast is not gonna be boring <laughs> <Ayo. Hey-o. laughs> so uh the first question i usually ask peeps is who is um whoever they are <laughs> but i just want to give the people listening just a little background of like how we met each other because life is trippy <laughs> and i think it's cool how we met so i moved up to Kelowna in september and I met a girl named Brittany um, in the summertime at a yoga, or not a yoga, at a vegan festival, and she was the one teaching yoga. And then she's like, oh, you're moving up here? So we connected, and she's like, yo, I'm doing, oh yeah, turn that shit off. (laughs) Yo, I'm doing a little yoga class by the beach, September, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, okay, literally did not meet a soul didn't know anyone. I think you were like the first group of people that I met up here in Kelowna. So I was like, Kate, getting out of my comfort zone, driving from Peach Line, go all the way to Kelowna by myself. To a random beach. Random beach. <laughs> and here, like I met, I knew Brittany before. So I saw Brittany and then I saw you <laughs> and you had this like flying saucer type <laughs> metal thing in your hand and I'm like oh it can be live music so amazing and you were holding a hand pan hand pan hand pan, hand hong, pan. hong drum but you can't call them that unless like specific people made it right you know it's like a it's like a trademark but hand pan hand pan is such a it's a boring name and <laughs> and and hong I like drum it. I do too but it's hong just like drum? Hong. It's hong. spelled hang, but hong. spelt hong, like gong, but with an H. Got it, hong. So that's the the origin. It's these beautiful, it's like if a Jamaican steel drum and a djembe had a baby. And I bet you some people don't know what a djembe is. A djembe, an, djembe. African, <laughs> an African hand drum. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what Anyways, that is. it's a beautiful instrument. And it I, is, it was we, a beautiful sound. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like angels singing, I think, is the best way oh, to describe it. And 100%. It's, yeah, I, and that specific instrument, I had a guy from Germany hand make for me, and we did it with specific frequencies in mind, and the ratios in between the notes follow old paradigms of harmonics which are based more off of the mathematics of nature and the way in which cellular growth in biological um, beings happens and 
our <laughs> our music doesn't quite follow that in the same way and the reason why is because Mozart created a tuning system that everyone on the world could play with and that's what A440 is and so this guy made this instrument for me that was uh, in just intonation which is reflective off of nature and it has more mathematical symmetry to organic growth and so he handmade it for me and I was trying to get this instrument for 10 years and I used to live in my van and I sold that van to buy this instrument and it's been this amazing journey but yeah we were and that was one of the very first times I had accompanied a yoga class with music oh yeah it was wonderful yeah and so it was so great. We just got to have this cool yoga hangout on the beach, and and then we were in a public beach, so with that comes its own <laughs> oh, yeah. trials and difficulties. So and there, there is was this... this woman fucking <laughs> screaming at her child, yeah, like, screaming. I felt so bad for the kid. Actually. And we were just like, like trying to get so zen. <laughs> I've got singing bowls and ukuleles and gongs and hong drums, and Brittany's doing this beautiful restorative yin class, and we had like candles lit. And it's like, get out of the water! Get over here! I'm, I'm gonna just... leave you here! <laughs> it's just such a funny that. dynamic. Oh. It was such a funny dynamic. And, you know, within that comes all this, you know... I, it's, it's funny, because, like, whenever you're trying to do something holistic, and, and I don't like the term New Age, because I think it's very, you know, it's almost degradatory and it almost is it's like a put down when people say new age and especially all of these things that we call new age or old technology yeah, old, it's old shit it's just it's, it's been hidden from us mm-hmm. because you know it the matrix the matrix yeah. is aware of the power mm-hmm. in which you know we we contain and all this new age stuff became this very very silly and easy way to propagate people forgetting their power and so whenever you're in a moment where you're, you know, practicing something in real life, these challenges and these foils and these reflections will come up. And and it was just really funny for us to be there on the beach and just try and, you know, like accept and allow what was happening to just happen and realize that, you know, whether or not, you know, that mother and that child realized it, they were going through their own healing because we're harboring this vibrational frequency of, of, calm and peace and acceptance and you know when you do that around people who aren't willing to embody those frequencies themselves it's going to bring up all the triggers and it's going to bring up all their own work that they've been neglecting and you know in a mother and a child relationship I can only imagine is is a complicated and nuanced one and and you know I, I just kind of sat there with all this and it's like those folks are healing whether or not they meant to you know they just came to a beach one day and and you know our vibration of of trying to work towards health and and self betterment and growth you know just creates this this reverberation around us that affects people and any time you take a step out of you know the matrix and the grind to do those things that are beneficial for yourself you're not only owning into the vibrational state of your higher self and your better being you create these ripples it's like a sound wave it just Mm -hmm. vibrates out and vibrates Mm -hmm. out and vibrates out and it and it impresses itself upon everyone else and people then have an opportunity to dial into that frequency and to participate in that growth or they can hit resistance and resistance creates more suffering that's really what it is is when we're in a state of 
not allowing what is happening around us to exist, it creates blockages and those blockages solidify themselves and they can then be felt physically, spiritually, and emotionally and create problems for us as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And that's another thing, you know, I mean like I'm pretty out there. Yeah, we haven't even <laughs> haven't even intro you yeah. yet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Let's take it back. No, I love right, it. Right. I love it. I love it. Getting ahead of ourselves. Um, but basically, yeah, met you that day, and then I was like, "Cool, I'll get your number. We'll hang out." Didn't see you for a while. Kind of forgot, <laughs> and then I got like kind of baked with my friend, and we went to this bar, and we like bumped into each other, and you're like, "Hey," and I'm like fuck how do i know this guy <laughs> i fucking hate that oh i'm like i've met this guy i don't know how and you're like <laughs> you're stone drinking was, kombucha yeah. You're like, um. yeah. yeah and then you're like jacob the beach handpan oh my god hey because you confused me because i also worked at a restaurant and you were with all the guys in the kitchen that i literally met that day at the restaurant it was the weirdest situation you had been to be best friends with the head chef and i'm like whoa Small world, but I mean, Kelowna is pretty tiny community. And then I've seen you at the restaurant a few times behind the bar and stuff. So it was like, okay, this guy's dope. We're obviously supposed to connect, be in each other's lives. Buds, yeah. So that's a little backstory, but. And then, and then we plan to hang out with like a bunch of our mutual friends. Oh yeah. And yeah, everyone like, bailed yeah. that night except for the two of us. Yeah, so, so we just went little, and crushed some night. pizza. Yeah, which was a trippy ass night too because I was like connecting with my spirit guides and being like, yo, if I'm on the right track, show me, show me tigers or yeah, it was basically like show me tigers and I think it might have been an owl too or whatever. Oh, that was when I saw the devil tarot card like yeah, a few yeah, times. And yeah, I was when like, you like open that tarot on? card book yeah, to the devil. Right to the devil. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, sick. <laughs> and then we went to this crazy cool bar that looked like someone's house. It like was grandma's house in the 80s. Grandma's house basement. in the 80s. Basement suite. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there was tigers all over there. We had vegan pizza and you were talking about astro planning and dreams and shit so we might talk about that too because yours is super cool um and there's a little neon tiger there was on the side of the building yeah yeah so that was yeah. pretty fun that was fun that we was talked dope. about dreams and astral travel and yeah and then karmic like connections. talk about this on the podcast because yeah. i want to keep listening to yeah. it so with all that being said who is jacob so jacob is a profound lover of all things sound um Mm. i've always had uh at least a toe dipped in the pool of mysticism ever since i was a kid i was always curious about you know afterlife existence and magic and creationism and you know like i was raised mormon which was a really interesting foil in my life because I was in this really regimented, like weird modern day Christianity. I don't like the word cult. (laughs) Why don't you like the word cult? Because cults are cool and Mormonism was boring. (laughs) I think that's why I don't like calling Mormonism a cult. It's just not fun enough. Um, Anyways, so I went through that and I remember when I was young, I was getting in, in fights and arguments with the priests of the church about existentialism and transgender rights and parallel dimensions and the um, finality of decisions and how God could allow free will but then give us opportunities to partake in things like marijuana 
which were supposed to be the devil's tools for sin, when I'm like, why the fuck would God grow that on his ground and put all these benefits in it if we're not supposed to smoke it? And and actually, like, I, I had a little bit of a psychic awakening when I was a teenager, and my auric vision and my psychic intuition started really precipitating itself in my life and I tried to explain that to the Mormon people around me and no one understood it and immediately they thought it was schizophrenia and so I was Mm -hmm. taken to doctors and psychoanalysts and psychiatrists and they're like oh you have stress-induced schizophrenia you're schizophrenophonic here are drugs that will numb you so intensely you're barely a human and I ate more than I've ever eaten in my life and I slept more than I've ever eaten in my life and and it was this really hard kind of growing period of my life um I then started experimenting with pot I like smoked a bit of pot and then the church found out and I wasn't allowed the same privileges I was within the church I used to be the dude who did the sacramental prayer and I would break the bread and pass the water and and then after they found out I smoked pot I wasn't allowed to do that, even though I was on mind-bending pharmaceutical drugs, which were just so horrifically damaging, and I still have an impression and an imprint of those within my life. Wow. And that was okay, but I smoked some of God's green goodness, and I'm this big fucking sinner, and now I can't, Fuck, you know, I can't bless the sacrament. And so suddenly then it's a visible thing, and then the ostracization happens, and the people in the church are like... What did Jacob do? Oh my God. He used to do all the sacrament stuff and now he can't even take it. And (laughs) it just became everyone else's business and it put such a bad taste in my mouth. Um, And, but you know, the, the whole foundation of that was rooted in my curiosity. Mm. I was always curious about the biggest and the deepest thoughts possible. And I never understood why no one would give those concepts the time of day. Everyone around me was so content to hit a level of awareness and understanding and then stop once it got a little complicated. It was never enough for me. And so mm. I started, you know, music was always, always my passion. Like when I was a teenager and I was growing up and I was, you know, having a hard time at school, getting bullied and having hormones I didn't know what to do with and emotions I wasn't really equipped to handle yet. I would just go home and listen to music and the music would become my safe space and it became what helped me grow through all of that. And I remember I was probably 14 and I have this distinct memory. I think I was listening to Slipknot at the time too, which isn't the most (laughs) (laughs) holistic (laughs) of bands to listen to. And uh, I remember thinking, you know, just sitting with headphones on in the basement. I was just like, if I can do for other people what music has done for me, That'll be my version of success. That'll be what success looks and feels like for me. And so I thought for a long time that was rock and roll, laser beams and Jägermeister and making out with women in cities I've never been to. Um, Sounds fun. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. But, you know, it's just you get home from the tour and you get home from the show. And I'm just like, there is something so much deeper than this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, we play these shows and it's super fun and I drum and people dance and I do a solo and, you know, me and the band groove and we create these really cool moments that only exist for the time in which they exist and then they disappear, never to be replicated in their entirety again. It's this beautiful appreciation of every individual moment and then it's gone. But I would get home from all of this and I would go, there's something so much deeper than this. We're only iceberg tipping 
the the depth of what this can be. And so I started studying the esoteric origins of music and chanting and song and medicinal appropriations and usages for music, uh, Native American, Egyptian, Pythagorean, Grecian, Asiatic approaches to utilizing music for more than just sound and dance. And I was looking at that for years and years and years. That led me into alchemy, which I'm a huge fan of alchemy and the alchemical process and symbolism. Carl Jung is one of my my spirit animals. He just, you know, the collective unconscious and the imprint of our subconscious origins of reflecting and representing the symbols is just like catnip to me. It's so compelling and it's so cool. And it's just always led me on this journey. And I eventually went to school in San Francisco at the Globe Institute for Sound Healing and Music Therapy because it was everything I was interested in. It was... I was looking at music therapy first, and music therapy, especially in Canada, is we're going to take a minor in music and a minor in psychology. We're going to get them drunk and put them in a dimly lit room, and whatever love child that they bang and create, we're going to call music therapy. (laughs) But we're going to stop at anything non-quantifiable, anything mystical, anything spiritual mm-hmm. has no place in music therapy i'm air quoting you can't see it but, <laughs> you know and that just was never enough for me so i went to this school and we studied sound healing so we started studying the chakra system we started studying the endocrine glands we started studying the body as a nervous system and how it relates to sound and vibration around us because that's how our nervous system from our brain was developed from our eyeballs to our ears scientists still really don't understand there's a huge evolutionary gap from the evolution and development of our eyeballs and our ears, they they seem otherworldly in our own personal evolution, in our own genetic evolution. It's just these huge leaps where suddenly sight and hearing became such an integral way in which we experience the world around us. Um, Studying Chinese acupuncture and the meridian system, but instead of using needles, using tuning forks to convey a specific frequency and allowing that frequency to flow through the meridian system of the body. Mm. Finding ways in which vibration itself manifests as color on a higher vibrational state and a lower octave state as sound and on a lower octave state as physical matter and how physical matter follows the same mathematical formulas and shapes that sound and color do so we get into sacred geometry we get into the way in which our brain responds to symbols on a subconscious level and interacts with the vibrational essence of space occupied versus not occupied And that's where squaring the circle and the symbolism of alchemy then ties everything together. So I've always been pursuing the depths in which our brain and our body and our heart is experiencing the world around us and looking at it with this romantic joy of everything as an expression of some form of musicality. The world around us is a symphony creating this beautiful cascading soundtrack to every moment of our lives and all we do is just attune our awareness into it and we can step into that state of perpetual appreciation for the world around us. And so that's kind of... (laughs) I guess in a nutshell, kind of what got me here. <laughs> wow, you said a lot. I do that. <laughs> um, yeah, because you were showing me that video. If people need to look that shit up, cymatics. that was so cool. What is it? Cymatics Cy- is what it's called. And cymatics. Cymatic, is that what it is on YouTube, though? What's the name for it? So, Cym- cymatics is observing the vibrational effects of sound in water. 
Or you can look at what's called a Cladney plate. And so this inventor from Germany in the early 1800s, Ernst Cladney, what he would do is he would take this metal plate and he would put sand on top of it. And he would take a violin bow and he would strum the side of this metal plate. And the same way when we're playing a guitar string on a fret, you mm-hmm. pinch that guitar off at a mathematical point mm-hmm. along the vibration of the whole string. If you go right halfway of the string and you press down, that's the octave. And an octave has a ratio of two to one. So our standard instruments tuned at 440, if I go on the A string of a guitar to the 12th fret and press that fret down, that's halfway of the length of the string. And because I'm using that mathematic ratio, it has that two to one mathematic behind it and so you go to the 12th fret on the a string tuned at 440 and that halfway point becomes 880 and so that's where the mathematics and the relationship of octaves becomes really apparent because that is the way in which everything in the universe expresses itself i'm gonna get too far ahead of myself (laughs) here um yeah what was for like a layman person like me who doesn't know diddly squat about notes, music, whatever, mm-hmm. you showed me that video. Cymatics, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Okay, so and, the and, and, was... and so what happened is was... the way that our, our musical notes is set up is like way, way, way back in the day. I think we have evidence of about 40,000 years ago or something stupid long ago like that. We found these flutes chiseled out of bone from caves in Slovenia. And so they had these flutes that we just uncovered. And these monks essentially would go into these caves and these caves had these very beautiful, naturally harmonic resonance within it. They would go in and they would sing and they would chant and this resonance would create this very beautiful effect around them. And because this was way back in the day where we weren't distracted by all the shit we're distracted by now, they got really in tune with themselves and really in tune with their bodies and they began to chant these specific frequencies, these specific notes. They became known as what are the solfeggio frequencies. And there's the do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti. Originally it was just five, so it was do, re, mi, fa, so. And those were these frequencies. And so they're 432, 538, so on and so forth. Um, I don't have my books right here, so I can't, I can't, I don't have them all, you know, committed oh, to memory. What the fuck? Why not, bro? I'll go get a book. <laughs> Chill. Uh, it's in the other room, man. We're in the wrong room. And um, anyway, so they would just chant these frequencies and there was just something to them. And so they made this whole musical scale based off of that. Now, flash forward years and years and years and years later. We can utilize science to study what happens when vibration is happening. And when you hit those solfeggio frequencies, what happens is this sound wave, you make the initial, oh, and it vibrates. And the way vibration works on this planet is the vibrations go left and right, forwards, backwards, and then up and down. Mm -hmm. Three dimensions, right? Mm -hmm. So it can move in those three-dimensional spaces. And what happens is these sound waves vibrate out in all these directions. And because of the mathematics, as a sound wave vibrates and gets introduced to more air, the first vibration is one times itself, the second is twice as much, three times, four times, five times, six times, all the way into infinity. But what happens is these sound waves overlap because of atmospheric pressure mm-hmm. and they hit themselves at these specific points. And these specific frequencies, because their origin of that vibration is so concise, it follows the mathematics of the universe and vibration and, and the world around us so beautifully that when they collide, they collide in nodal points. And these nodal points, it's like a sound wave going up and then an identical sound wave going down. So like Mm. plus one and plus two, they collide on these points and they cancel each other out. 
So they create these pockets of silence. But when you utilize those specific frequencies, they create these pockets of silence that create geometric patterns in those nodal points. And those geometric patterns are just evident in the world around us in depictions of ancient drawings. You can go look at the circle of life and the flower of life. You can go look at the Sri Yantra. And the Sri Yantra is this this depiction. It's this drawing of nine interlocking triangles. And it was this symbol that appeared non-locally around the same time. Um, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but way back in the day. So there were monks in Tibet who were drawing this this pattern. And then there were um, monks in Asia who were drawing this pattern. And then in South America, we have evidence of people drawing the Sri Yantra. And it's this beautiful depiction. I'm sure we've all seen it. Um, it's nine intersecting triangles. And uh, it's just this really beautiful image. And it just popped up at the same time, before they had the internet, before they had the means of communicating these ideas, this symbol popped up all over the place. And super cool, oh, so beautiful. What they would do is you would picture that that tiny point in the center of all these triangles in your third eye, and you would meditate on that. And it would bring you to states of, of heightened um, consciousness. And, and that was, they would ohm and... And these monks would ohm and they would just, they would then come out of these transcendental meditative states and they would draw this, this diagram. And years and years and years later, recently what we've done is we've hooked these monks up to EEGs and EKGs so we could measure their brain waves and we could see what was happening when they were chanting and they were meditating. And so they would meditate and they would get themselves into that specific vibrational state of consciousness that this kind of meditation would allow them access to. And what we would do is we would take pictures of their brain waves and the synaptic nodes of our brain sending information to each other creates this overlaying pattern. And if you draw the points of contact from these monks meditating's brains together, mm-hmm. you get the Sri Yantra. Wow. So this was a depiction of the physiological response to the brain waves that were happening as these monks were chanting these specific frequencies. That's so fucking nuts and it's cool and wild. Wild. This wild. Was like the 1400s. These just crazy ass monks were in wow. caves and like and 40,000 years ago these dudes were just or dudettes whatever, you know. <laughs> these folks. These folks. Yeah, but what was that machine called? Cladney plate. Okay, so you showed me the Cladney plate mm-hmm. though, but basically, yeah, it was vibrate certain frequencies and the sand moves into these patterns. Mm-hmm. The sound waves force, they like the sound waves, you know, interact with sand is, is light enough that it can be yeah. moved by these frequencies. And yeah. so what happens is it just gets excited and it gets pushed around and pushed around. But because the mathematics of these specific frequencies is so important, it pushes them into these nodal points. And I used to work at a winery and what we would do is we would blast those specific sound waves to our barrels of wine and it would push the sediment, the grape skin, seeds and stems into these geometric patterns. They would then cluster, clump together, get heavier and fall to the bottom of the barrel. And huh. we take the good wine off top. Wow. So, I mean... So, yeah, just like that, just doing that to sand, just imagine what different frequencies do to our bodies. Well, and then we get into it. It's like, think about your speech and your thoughts. Your yeah, speech and your thoughts exactly. create vibrations. And mm-hmm. our body is, is fluid. Our body is mm-hmm. not solid. The, pro- the reason we think our body is solid is because our eyeballs can't move fast enough. <laughs> That's why movies work, is we play single pictures at a rate just a bit faster than our eyes can see. If our eyes could see faster and we watched a movie, it would just be a picture after a picture after a picture after a picture. But a motion picture 
plays those pictures a fraction faster than we can see and it blends mm. it all together mm-hmm. same with our bodies our bodies are moving at such a slow rate we can't see between those vibrations so we assume everything is solid but that actually isn't the case there's more unoccupied space in our bodies than there is occupied space the problem is our eyeballs can't see fast enough to see through that mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. when we're <laughs> when we're speaking the words we say are interacting with every cell of our body down to the core of our being. And then and then it gets even more wild. You zoom in to each cell of your body, every hair cell, every blood cell, every bone cell, every organ cell, every piece of you, you zoom into the nucleus and it's it's the epicenter. And around that epicenter is orbits. You get electrons, protons, neutrinos, all these different moving parts, and they're creating an orbit around it. And you take a circle, and if you put a circle on its side and you make it move, that creates a sound wave. Suddenly our perspective of a circle has shifted and that movement becomes that sexy little S-curve sine wave that sound is expressed on. So your body and all of your cells themselves are creating a vibration and that vibration is exuding through every cell. We then get to utilize thought which exists as a vibration first and we have these concepts and these symbols that we have then utilized our mental power to create this vibrational state. We focus on that mental vibration so deeply we can harbor it into our body. We can then move breath through this body, push it over two flaps of skin in our throat and create every sound and sentence and word we've ever spoken. Everything exists first as a vibration and then we manifest it physically into this life by utilizing breath. So every time you speak a word, every single cell of your body is responding to that speech. And some of my friends get really tired with me because I am so dedicated to the intention necessary when it comes to speech eloquence is beautiful but intention behind speech is more important because every cell of your body is listening to what you're saying Mm. what are you saying are the words you're saying full of love and faith and trust in yourself and the world around you or are you projecting Mm-hmm. And, and how do you think that affects your body mm-hmm. you can look at the work of dr masaru emoto who is a japanese scientist and he with the water right? with the water yeah. right and What's, i have his the, book the, is it called the miracle of water it's he's the, got he's got about four books like this i have this book here so bring it out bring it out the hidden yes. messages in water Oh, that's what it is the hidden messages I, this water. is one he's got four books yeah. this is i think his last one wow. before but oh, you know even if you want to look at it like he's got depictions of how he would take a, he would take a sample of water and he would interact with it in some way he would play music to it he would speak to it he would show up pictures of things he would then freeze it and underneath a microscope he would look at the uh, crystalline structure that was created uh, from this frozen water after that interaction so he would take a sample of water and he would say thank you thank you thank you thank you to it and he would take another sample of water and he'd be like fuck you you suck (laughs) and then he would freeze it and he would look at it underneath this crazy electron microscope he had and another so no i'm gonna hit myself so Mm -hmm. what would happen is when he spoke beautiful sweet caring loving sounds to these samples of water and froze them they created these really beautiful 
crystalline patterns, these snowflake designs. They look that like just, snowflakes. They look like snowflakes yeah. and they look beautiful. And then with the words where he said, you fool, you fool, you make me sick, I will kill you. They literally created these like chaotic and destructive looking patterns within the frozen water molecules. It even go went so far, he would play different kinds of music. He would play Beethoven symphonies. He would play Mozart's music. And the interactions of the vibrations and the harmony of the resonance of those sounds mm. would create those same beautiful geometric patterns. Yeah, but it's, well. it's not even the harmony because it's also because I heard about like, yeah, it's saying we showed words to water so mm-hmm. it's like they haven't they done experiments where it's like love they ri- physically write down love put it on a water bottle well, and then put it down and that's what's hate, amazing it's which like is crazy even you know so the intention it goes back the to the intention, intention. is vibrational yeah. and that vibration you know like goes through everything your intention behind what you're doing even when you're writing they call it spelling because we're casting spells mm-hmm. when you 100%. write when you write something there's so much power behind that and especially like you can read someone's words and you can pull how they felt when they wrote it out of it because that those words and that vibrational frequency is contained within those words so you can write i love you i love you i love you and wrap that around a bottle of water and that water will then benefit from that positivity and that intention behind it. And if our bodies are made out of 90 or whatever percent water, think about what an impact that can make on yourself. 100%. That's why I think affirmations are really powerful and really beautiful, even if you're not necessarily fully behind them. Um, I've been doing a lot of work on self-love and I'll take these times and these moments where I go, I love myself. I love myself, but I don't necessarily feel that all the time. Sometimes you're having a shitty day and it's hard to get on that, you know, high horse of love. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that's a bad way to say it. But you know what I mean? It feels like it's this really inaccessible state of being. But your body is still listening and that intention still creates a resonance and a reverberation within you. Whoa, interesting how it's got the Beatles yesterday. Yeah. The... I just heard about that song on a, another podcast, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it's basically that song is played every, like, throughout time or whatever. Like, right now, it's always playing. Like, it ends somewhere mm. in the world and starts playing, so it's, like, playing continuously 24-7. That'd be cool. Um, I yeah, believe... I, I'd say if there is a band that does that, it's the Beatles. The the orthodox form was unexpected. Perhaps this is a result of this song being a favorite throughout the world. So what, they didn't think it was going to look pretty? Well, and John Lennon actually tuned his instruments differently. And people were like, he tuned this a weird almost quarter step down. He was tuning a 432. I don't is know that if he the, knew is it that, or not. Okay, tell, tell us about the frequencies and stuff. Because okay. apparently the way that music is tuned now is not how it should be, right? Uh, well, like, or whatever. I, there's I don't know. so much okay. horse shit on the internet about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. And people are like, solfeggio frequencies, blah! And just post garbage posts about it. And a lot of people don't really know. And a lot of people are like... 440 was created as a neo-Nazi movement to disintegrate the conscious elevation of human beings. Like, yeah, okay. I guarantee you the Nazis absolutely experimented with utilizing sound in destructive and weaponized ways. But that being said, so has the American government. We have evidence of people trying to find the brown sound. What's a brown sound? It makes you shit. (laughs) And people trying to find frequencies that can actually do very intense damage. Which we can. I mean, even from a decibel level, if you have 
volume that's too loud people will die like you can blast people with sound that's so loud you die it's just like there's literally ways mm. to weaponize frequency and vibration mm. and every government and military organization has experimented with that however the tuning frequency of 440 a lot of people think it's bad which I disagree. Is that the normal frequency? 440 is how our music is tuned now. Like on the radio you would hear. 100%. 440. So, okay. And that actually, Mozart was hired by the king of the time to create a tuning system so that they could play everywhere. Because before that, Sicily had a different tuning system and China had a different tuning system and Greece had a different tuning system and South America had a different tuning system. So they just Egypt. wanted it to be like... So the way that it works is vibrations work in relationships and mathematical pairings to each other without getting too into it. The important part is what's called the circle of fifths. And the fifth is what's called the perfect interval. And it's a distance of, it's a relationship of three to two. So if I have, say I have three cups and two cups, that relationship is a perfect fifth. I have three of one and two of the other. And that relationship is what creates the feeling of a perfect fifth. So this is really complicated. I don't want to go into music theory because no, no, we'll have to go to class. Was, I know, right? We'll have to go to classes about it. But the relationship between a fifth is important. And it's something you hear everywhere. Your body is naturally predisposed to appreciate the relationship of a perfect fifth because it creates mathematical harmony. And we even, our buildings are built in perfect fifths. Uh, temples and chapels and churches are built in perfect fourths because it has a different feeling to it. So the perfect fifth, what you can do is I can go from any note and I can take that intervallic step of a fifth and another fifth and another fifth and I can do it 12 times, which is their 12 notes in our scale, and I won't duplicate the same note. So I can go okay. A to B to C to D to E to Got G to F. And absolutely, and all the yeah. sharps and flats, and it will all be tempered within that same relationship. But in old tuning systems, in the 432 hertz tuning systems which the grecians pythagoreans and egyptians would use it doesn't line up there's this tiny little bit of difference when you go, distance when you go to the very last note following the perfect fifths and it's just a tiny 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 bit off it's not exactly 442 versus 432 versus 440 and that's how it used to okay. be tuned egyptians the pythagoreans and the grecians were 432 and they did that because that's more in tune with the golden ratio and the golden ratio is universal harmony. Everything grows. Everything that grows, grows within the golden ratio. And that's the phi ratio. And so when you dig into sacred geometry and musical and mathematical harmony, the golden ratio becomes paramount. Because, you know, you've seen Leonardo da Vinci's Vitruvian Man where it's that dude standing with his arms and legs at different angles right, in the yeah, circle. Yeah. There's so much information in that drawing it's insane the mathematical relationship of the earth to the moon in a scale length to the human body is encoded within the, there is so much information well, it gets so deep because even when you were just talking about atoms and shit in our body and how it's like circling around a nucleus and shit and i was just like oh my god that's like space you just go deeper and deeper like we're all it's macrocosm microcosm yeah, right like as above so, so below oh, see yeah. and now we're digging back into alchemical territory which is <laughs> just you know, enshrouded in confusion intentionally to make it so the real seekers who were finding the right information could follow that path further. Um, but I'm going to lose my point if I keep going on alchemy. What am I talking about? <laughs> we're talking about three, 432. 432. Yeah. Okay, so the Pythagorean comma was what that tiny little distance of that last step of fifths to the final note to repeat the octave and start over was a tiny bit off. 
Okay. Yeah. And it drove the Grecians crazy because they're like, we have created our musical systems based off of the mathematical beauty of the world around us. Why the fuck does it, it not off? line up perfectly? Do why you, is it always off by this specific do amount? Do they know why now? Or is it like a, is it just a mystery of the world? I think it's a mystery. I don't know if anyone knows exactly why that tiny little intervallic distance or like what it's for. But I bet you, I bet you what it is, is it's, the problem is, is, no, let me get to my next point. So <laughs> 432, there was this tiny little bit of distance they could not correct. Right. Mozart rounded up and rounded down the distance in between the notes so that that didn't happen. So then we got 440. And that's what 440 is. And people are all like, 440 is bad. It's not mathematical harmony. Well, that's not necessarily true. Because if you follow the Fibonacci sequence, which is the golden mean and the phi ratio in action, 55 is the first double digit number that comes up. And 55 is a lower octave of 440. So you go 440 divided by 2, 220 divided by 2, 110 divided by 2, 55. And 55 is a facet of the Fibonacci sequence. And the Fibonacci sequence exists within every growing organic structure. It's either the Fibonacci sequence or the binary sequence. Fibonacci is female curves and the binary sequence is male squares and angles, right? 90 degree angles. But that's super complex. We're not going to get into that today. We don't have enough time to get into that today. I'm not ready to talk about sacred geometry just yet. So Mozart created that system and a lot of people give it a lot of bad press, essentially, because they're like, Nazis. The (laughs) only real damaging intention I have found is around the time of Elvis, we shifted our standard tuning from C into E. And when we go into E, the first note is F. And from the natural progression of the harmony of an E major scale, the F, the first movement, the second note, creates dissonance. And so for whatever reason, our tuning system has been shifted to something. I think if you stay in C standard tuning, it has a little bit more mathematical purity. Whereas when we've transposed that into a different key, it suddenly loses that value because the relationships of where you're trying to go versus where you're coming from don't line up in the way it's supposed to. But... I don't know. I have no proof of that. That's the only thing I've found is that we have shifted the starting point of our music so that the next following movements create a little bit more dissonance as opposed to harmony. So 432 is more in tune with the mathematical vibrations of biological growth. And I think if we're trying to use frequencies or music in a therapeutic and healing aspect... Is that what you use? You should use those. Is that what you use? I try to. Okay. Um, I don't always because I don't always have access to those specific things. And I think intention is more important than specific frequency. Specific frequency is super, super, super important. But I think your intention, if your heart's in the right place, you can shift it just by those tiny, tiny, tiny bits to allow it, to allow spirit and to allow higher self to guide that energy to where it needs to be for that human. Because we're all a combination. We're all this symphony of different vibrations and each one is different. We have our... Our focal points, our chakras, so our bioelectromagnetic focal points, if you want to really sterilize and unromanticize the beauty of the (laughs) mystery of the universe, we've got these specific focus points where the energy of our body comes out in these very concentrated pieces, and that's what the chakras are. And we have all these meridians, which are the pathways that they flow out of, and music gets to come into those things, and it gets to interact with those specific frequencies. And when you use your voice, you have your two little flaps of skin, your vocal cords that... 
utilize air that just miraculously <laughs> fucking exists on this planet and nowhere else. You get to utilize that infinite shared breath and you turn it into sound. And that yeah. sound then takes these concepts that existed as vibrational thoughts in the mental aether and you physically manifest them into this world. And then when you say something, it creates a vibration and that vibration ripples like a pond thrown in a pebble. But the problem with a pond is it has an edge and so the ripple hits the edge. But with sound waves, that never really happens because mm-hmm. sound moves through everything. So everything you've ever said s- exists somewhere Still. in the quantum universe. It's just gotten so Whoa. far away from you, it you just pretend it doesn't exist anymore. And so that's why words are so powerful. And that's why it's so beautiful for you to sing. Get your heart behind it and sing. Even if you're not making words, you can tone. And then when you tone, you get to have this really beautiful relationship and interaction with your body because your body will physiologically respond to the frequencies you're making. You can interact with your root chakra. You can interact with your heart chakra. You can interact with your throat chakra, your throat. You can interact with almost, with probably every part of your body if you put that intention behind that specific frequency and you, you just create a tone that's pleasing with your, your heart behind it. And you can heal every part of your body. You can heal other people's bodies. You know, like it's just, it just becomes so deep from something so profoundly simple. Mm. Baby can... cries almost immediately. Scientists believe that when birds sing in the morning, it's more a reflection of like, motherfuckers, I made it. I'm here to celebrate. <laughs> I existed. And it's sharing with the world mm. their beauty and enjoyment of the moment. Birds are never bored. Birds are never bored. Bang, full circle, full circle. Um, Wow. So much to talk about. And honestly, I need to have you on another episode. Yeah, we'll ramble for days. No, we're going to do We didn't even get into dreams and astral travel, which I think was our intention. Yeah, that was definitely our intention. Um, We're going to do two-parter for sure. So next week will be all about dreams. Also, if you want to get a little bit deeper, I have a handful of my own episodes of my podcast. Woo, yeah, pimp yourself out, boy. Oh, also, if you want sound healing, too, because he does that and he helps you sing. Oh, oh my gosh, can you help me do that again before? Because you were like, yeah, your throat chakra is blocked and sacral. Most are, but I was, like, singing, like, super low, like, uh, like, I can't even do it. How did you do it? Uh. You used, uh, 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 (laughs) U-H. Real guttural. Uh, I was having such a hard time with it. But anyways, had a sound healing session by this lovely gentleman. Yeah, that's fun. Really recommend it. So pimp yourself out where so people stalk you. If podcast. you are in the Okanagan, um, you can find me. Um, I'm super awful at self-promotion. Mm-hmm. So my Facebook page is Kumbaya. Like Kumbaya, my lord. Mm-hmm. K-O-O-M-B-A-Y-A. You can find me on Facebook. Um, I'll link it in the show notes. Link it in the show notes. And then my podcast is available on Spotify. It's called Rainbows, Dreams, and the Space in Between. Which, <laughs> that's the name. That's the name of my ongoing classes about sound healing and music therapy. So Fuck you can yeah, check that out if you want to dive into the rabbit hole. Check it out. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'll link that video, too, because I was just so blown away by that video, making all those shapes with the sound, the sand. Woo! Jacob, my friend. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thanks. Okay, bye. Namaste. 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 Namaste.